Well, I can't tell you how excited I am to be here and to see faces I recognize and faces that I'm going to know after this season of being here. Because it's just absolutely a privilege to get to come home and be back in this community. And when I'm getting ready to leave England, I usually people ask, well, why are you going home now? You know, and it's kind of like, you need to stay or whatever. And I said, well, I have to go home because my roots are here in New Braunfels. And so I, I need to have family around me, friends around me, work on my Texas accent, and eat a lot of barbecue and Mexican food. And then I can go back and be who I am in another culture, because otherwise I might get lost. And so it really is just a delightful time, and I look forward to this next month of just kind of soaking in those things. Besides getting to see the sun a whole lot more than I see it in the UK. So you don't usually get a day this like this fresh without a lot of clouds coming in at some point. So it's like, it's a miracle watching the sun. So I'm going to really pick up where Scott left off this morning. And um, my, of my verse that I've kind of been thinking about in preparation for this time is the one up here on the board. And I started Philippians kind of thinking about my time at home and thinking I'm going to use this as my reference point. So it's really the whole passage, but I chose these verses out of the first chapter of Philippians. Of this I am convinced, the one who began a good work in you will thoroughly complete it by the day of King Jesus. And this is what I am praying, that your love may overflow still more and more in knowledge and all astute wisdom. Then you will be able to tell the difference between good and evil and be sincere and faultless on the day of the Messiah. Filled overflowing with the fruit of right living, fruit that comes through King Jesus to King's glory and praise. So, how do we, how do we live those words out is a little bit of what I'm going to talk about and telling you some of the things that have been happening in my part of the world. So, this is a continuation of the story you all started hearing last year. Uh, we had started a new community in Luton and working alongside an Anglican church. And to just see what is God going to do with a small team in partnership with a local, local church. And a local church that had been on decline, in decline for quite a long time. And we probably on an average Sunday have 35 to 40 people in attendance. The church will probably only hold a little over 100 people to start with. But it's still, we've got a lot of room for growth. It's also a church that is looking to restore itself to what it used to be. Because we've got pictures from the 70s and the 80s when it was filled with people from the neighborhood. But it was also a time in which everybody went to church. And people don't just go to church anymore, here or there. Um, they want to know, well, what's it all about? And why bother? I can find a club somewhere else on another day of the week and not have to get up so early. So we're all that process of what does the church mean to the community around us? So it made me think of the, this this chapter in Philippians, because in a way, although this church is a new one starting out, the Philippian community, they're in a world like ours. It's, it's a world that doesn't understand the gospel, doesn't really relate to it. Its values are totally different. And so as we've been getting started, um, one of the things that really we have kind of rested what we're doing on is that sense that Scott was talking about, and it really comes from Psalm 25. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that makes me stop and ponder just about every day where I live. 
because we have a house that will hold 13 people, and we see it kind of transformed when we have visiting teams. We'll go up to 13 and then down to the two, three, four of us that may be there as the permanent team at the moment. And, and you're kind of small in, re, in response to the, the needs around you, not a whole lot of people. And in the church, out of that 35 to 40, oh, over half of them are over 70. So their ability to carry out and renew the church isn't, isn't great. So the ones of us with the ability to kind of carry out projects is a pretty small group. So you can get a little overwhelmed, especially unless you kind of keep getting this vision of, wait a minute. This whole thing is God's. And he who began a good work in us, because he put us in that place, is going to complete it. So we rest in that hope. The other thing we're resting on is the image that we are building, like Scott was talking about, the kingdom of God. And so as we look out, we're in a church community, a mission community, that has a task, that we're going deeper in God to be able to reach out into a neighborhood. And our neighborhood has got a few problems. It's uh, an old neighborhood that at one time was fairly prosperous. And then as industry moved out of Luton, it began to go into decline because unemployment came in. And out of unemployment, you've got a lot of health problems of people that don't work. So they stay home, they watch TV, and they eat a lot. So the rate of heart disease and diabetes is pretty high. Um, also, the hopelessness that comes from boredom when you can't find a new job to replace the old one. So we've got maybe two, three <coughs> generations that have not seen anybody work. And into that mix, which it used to be a, a kind of a white English, many Irish who immigrated over to work in Luton uh, neighborhood have come immigrants. And, and the problems in our world today about questions over immigration causes a tension. And we, in England, the major groups come from Southeast Asia, Pakistani, Bengali, Indian. The colonies of, of Great Britain have come home to find their home in it. We also have a large Nigerian community. We have a large Turkish community. So the mixture of what they see as Christian of the past versus a Muslim neighborhood. But we've also got a lot of Hindus in our neighborhood. We've got unbelievable amount of diversity. In our little town, which is probably twice the size of New Braunfels, there are over 150 languages spoken. Now, if you can imagine going down to any public space here in New Braunfels and imagine the diversity of people you're going to see who speak 150 different languages. It is truly mind-boggling on some days. You just think, how does this community even function? How do schools function with that much diversity in them? So having unity within a town, within communities, is a high value in Luton. And it's also because it's got a, a larger uh, community of Muslims, there's a tension, in the, especially right now, for the Muslim community about explaining some of the things we're seeing in the Middle East. And there's a lot of fear on their part of being misunderstood and demonized along with other people. So all of that makes up our daily work of, now how are we going to influence this? So really following exactly what you all have been talking about. What is God leading each one of us to do? And when we first started with Rob, who is the vicar of the church, he had come into the job just prior to a year and a half ago. And we came two months after he was in his new job. And one of the things he had on his heart, as I told you last year, was a garden. Let's build a garden. 
We had a third of an acre of land behind the church. I had never thought about being a farmer because I can now say I am a farmer. I am not a gardener. It's a farming operation. (laughs) And um, this year we cultivated all of it. And um, with a team of three people, weeding becomes a major necessity of life to keep up with your farm. And I've never thought that farming could teach me so much about spiritual growth, but it comes very much in handy of like, I thought I pulled these weeds last week, and they're back again. And I thought of every bad habit I have. I pulled them out last week, and they seem to come back again. Now, you might wonder, why a garden? Well, what we're looking for as a reconciling community, both in the church and in our our little rec walk community, is a sense of how do we invite people to meet Jesus in different ways? What can we do to show people who think they understand church? Because we're a little bit different in the UK. People are ingrained with England is a deeply Christian uh, country. And because it's got all these buildings everywhere, there's, you know, this is the church. So church and building kind of go synonymously much more than it does here. And it's ingrained in people like this is their neighborhood church. They may never have gone to it, But us keeping it nice and keeping our vicarage nice that we live in, it's like that's honoring to the neighborhood from their Christian roots, which is crazy, really. But it's a great open door to begin to talk about Jesus in a different way. So in this garden, what we've been doing is um, working with another charity who, as they come in and help us get the garden started, and we planted a wide variety of things, from pumpkins to green beans to squash to potatoes, all sorts of onions, and it goes on and on and on. The idea is that they then reach into the homeless community and those charities, those that may be suffering from a lady that came to work with us was from a victim offenders program, and her, her family had been really hurt by someone that had attacked them, so she was overcoming her problems. She comes from a Polish background, which is one of our largest immigrant area uh, groups in our neighborhood as well. And she comes to the garden once a week to kind of work out some of her trauma and, and, and be with other people. But also it's giving people an image of what they can do with their own personal gardens. So that's what we're aiming for, is this is going to be a community area. And um, next year, because we, we had a, a very successful year and harvest a lot of crops, Um, Next year, what we've applied for is a grant that would actually step it up a level where all through the the 12 weeks of the growing season, we'll run some green skills courses. And they very much will be targeted at people that are unemployed, that especially in the 16 to 25-year-old range of people, young people not going to school, have been out without any work at all and often become the next generation of unemployed. Also, we'll do some for learning disabled young people and young adults that also suffer from not being able to get good jobs. But they'll, they'll finish the summer, if all goes well, they'll have a certificate they can take to the job center, and there are actually lots of jobs in, in that kind of gardening, vegetable gardening, and landscaping uh, area of society for us. So that's one of the where we're heading with our social action. And what we hope is people take part in something like that with questions about who are you people? Why are you doing this? What motivates you? Uh, 
Um, if you'd said I'm motivated to get out of bed and go weed, uh, probably not. But <laughs> I, I'm motivated by the idea that this little simple project can have ramifications for the people around us. It's already done a lot of uh, gossiping and curiosity about it, and it's also done some healing over this last year. Because the, the third of an acre had been left to be overgrown, um, it, it really caused offense with our neighbors. One gentleman in particular who used to go to the church, and he's in his late 70s, and he took care of the property. And so all year I watched this man soften in his remarks as we began to put things right. And at, at one point in August, he uh, was waiting at the fence for me, and he had a great big old compost um, barrel and he said I think you need another one of these and he chucks it over the fence and the next week he had this whole load of cucumbers from his garden that he's like I think you'd like these so the relationship with Terry has been an amazing thing to see and kind of our test case for what can happen with this so we want to see it be something that the neighborhood becomes quite proud of so another thing we've, we've seen and, and been using this year has been what else can we do with the church property? We have an old 1948 church hall. Not a very pretty place. But in it, we have held a, a program for feeding children on the holidays because over 50% of the kids in our neighborhood do not have meals when they're out of school. Uh, Unfortunately, parents are poor and they don't feed them very well. So how can we provide at least a couple days during the holidays that they could come and get a hot lunch? And we're doing it with them learning to cook. And that's been really fun. And so putting out the things to make pizza or we did soup last week. And, and it's suddenly growing and the diversity of kids in the church hall is, is changing with parents coming. So... We want to see people make friends and get to know each other with people that aren't quite like themselves. The one that I really love is we've done an, a music evening every month, Express Yourself. And Nanzip, that is uh, the co-leader with me, is from northern Nigeria, and he has a wonderful, wonderful heart for music. And we're wanting that night this year to grow to be where we're inviting different faith or cultural communities to come in and they basically would be highlighted that month. So we could ask the Turkish community, come do your dances, which I've seen the kids do. And then everybody else, it's an open mic night, and anybody of any age can get up and do whatever. From telling jokes, we were doing limericks the other night to see who could do the limericks the fastest. I was not winning, although I started it off. And uh, a six-year-old, actually, oh, excuse me, Hannah, you're eight years old, she actually won the contest of being able to say these the fastest. But just to have fun together, again, being a place where people are going to be with people that maybe in our community they wouldn't know otherwise. So we're wanting to see that really grow, the fruitfulness of a life, you know, laid down for Christ, to see what is the overflow of what God is doing in our lives. And then we're starting out this month. One of our concerns is, of course, how did all these different faith communities get along with each other? And so we're starting a pilot project in a local school called The Feast. And it's been used in other towns in, in England, and it's been very successful. But it's putting together equal number of Christian kids alongside Muslim kids. Somewhere in the age, of, our group is going to be between 13 and 15. And they have a day of encounter with one another. 
And the idea is that you, these kids explore their own faith to be able to talk about their faith with others. And others developing their faith can also come into this picture. And they begin to learn how to question each other, ask difficult questions about one another, um, so that when they grow up, they, they're not uninformed or they're not unused to being able to do these kind of conversations. But it's not only a verbal encounter, it's also when they finish the day, they go out and they do a project. So they may go out and clean up a neighborhood together, or they may go out, like the one Nanza went on last month, they basically were sign going around and signing um, a petition to Parliament about um, prohibiting companies that are buying up debts of small c countries and, and then charging exorbitant rates for these, this debt. And those countries will never get out of, of debt. A little bit like the loan sharks in our neighborhoods, <laughs> but on a, a global scale. So all of that to just, okay, how, do we gonna, how are we going to live together? And then part of that is in living together, then they're going to get to know more about who Jesus is in my life. And so it works at being able to make friends and be able to help one another. And then one other project I thought I'd tell you about is we did a peace walk this year, and it's the 17th Peace Walk in Luton. And they do it out of the Luton Council of Faith, which is a monthly meeting of leaders from all the faith communities. And it's there not to talk about what we believe. It's not a dialogue, religious dialogue committee. It's a community problem-solving group, which is fascinating to be in the mix of. So last year, the biggest thing was setting up a food bank that's large enough to handle what's happening in the UK with uh, the homeless and, and really needy families. But the Peace Walk was basically to, it, it's centered around meeting your neighbors. And so we began at the community center and the local schools invested with us in setting up a garden project that we're going to be a part of as we try to beautify what is a very ugly little shopping mall. And, they, and the kids had written words about what they wanted to see of peace in their neighborhood as well as they'd drawn pictures that we went and saw in the community center. And then we visited, walking down the street in our neighborhood with little signs about peace and people getting together and, and living one, with one another, being kind to one another, and watching people's faces of like, hmm, that's a very interesting thing. And then we visited the Catholic Church, which is in our neighborhood, and mainly a Polish community nowadays, but still a bit Irish. Then we went next door to the Methodist church and visited them and heard a little bit about the Methodist church. And the group was about 200 people. And then we wandered down the street a, a few more blocks to the, the local mosque, which is a very small Bengali community. And, and they were just, it's the first time they'd ever opened their doors to the outside world around them in Farley. And we had a great time of just them opening the windows. It's a really small, like a house mosque. So they opened all the windows on the first floor so people could stick their heads in because it was way too small for all of us to get into, about the size of one of the classrooms. And they were just so excited about, come back and visit us. Come back and visit us. We want to be part of the neighborhood. And then we came around to our church, and Rob spoke to them about St. John's and why we were doing some of the projects we are doing. And then they came into the church hall where we set out an English tea party which was our responsibility was organizing all this, making sure we had enough food to do it. Which I, I'd had several nightmares over we're not going to have enough food on that night. 
And what happened is in that church hall, we had the Jewish community represented, Hindus represented, Muslims represented, the Christians represented, who knows who else was represented. Everybody mixing, and it was a cold day. It had started to rain on us, unfortunately, at the end of the thing. And we had originally planned to be out in our garden and uh, have a really sunny day. But instead, we got a really rainy day. But in that church hall, the, the power of God is just amazing when you've got a group of non-believers, I think, in our midst. And you could just feel this connecting with people and people switching around, talking to different people. And I thought, I don't think I've been in a group like this recently where I saw this much interaction. And um, the happiest people in that room were the police that were there to watch over it. And one guy, his, name, his job title is social cohesion officer. And that's the term in, in British legalese about how do you keep communities working with one another. These men could not stop talking about what they were seeing. And they were like, you know, we're a bit cynical. We see the worst of life. And, and especially when you come to social cohesion, we hear people talk about it a lot. But I've never seen it like I've seen it today. And then one guy was like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to write it up for our policeman's magazine because I am so delighted. And, I was, and he looked like he'd actually been smacked with the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's what he was so full of, like, I can't help but tell everybody about this. And I thought, wow. <laughs> so that's really the ambiance we want to continue in as a team, is just seeing the church really overflow with love. And in the middle of that, we do a lot of other things, but those are just some snippets of daily life around our house. It's challenging. I can tell you I have been stretched every which way in, in over the last year from how are we going to pay our bills to just desperation about who's going to come to what. But it's also that incredible sense of God is with us. And I think that coming back to my little verse, you know, that sense of which when we stand in God's presence like we did this morning and we just let his love pour into our heart and then we begin to put it into action, whatever we're doing, whatever, whatever is our kind of road that God's taking us down, there are more than enough opportunities to be really, in a sense, I'll use the English word, chaplain to the people around us. You're keeping an eye out for those that on this earth belong to the Lord. And I just really want to encourage you all. As I listen to Scott's stories every week as we talk, and just the encouragement of hearing us as a church growing and growing in that amazing overflow of everything that he's doing in our life. And we need his wisdom, we need his strength, we need his perseverance, and he will see that it is completed. It's not on our shoulders, but on his. So thank you all for your prayers, and thank you for all the ways in which you're showing Jesus to this wonderful, wonderful town. Amen. Uh, stay right where you are. <laughs>